Welcome to the Chicago Golf Report Podcast, brought to you by ChicagoGolfReport.com, covering everything golf in Chicago. Our guest this episode is the Director of Golf Operations at Silver Lake Country Club in Orland Park, Burt Coghill. Silver Lake is a 45-hole daily fee facility the Coghill family has owned and operated since the early 1930s. Um, our family was originally from Monticello, Indiana, and um, they were pretty much like farmers and mostly raised chickens and stuff. And um, so the three brothers, which was my grandfather Bert and Jack and Marty, decided to go to Chicago and find some work. And so they hiked up along the railroad tracks, which parallels Route 41 that takes you right into downtown Chicago. And uh, they're walking along the railroad tracks, and there was a lineman hanging up lines up by the railroad tracks. And he goes, where are you guys going? He goes, well, we're uh, heading to Chicago. We're looking for some work. And he says, well, you know what? I could probably use you guys. So they he hired the three brothers, and they helped uh, they became linemen, and eventually they made their way way up to Chicago, and they started an electric com- electric company. It was called Coliseum Electric, and so like at that time, electricity was like a a new thing, and so um, they formed this electric company. And for like 1995, they would wire a whole house. You know, they would put the wires up. You know, put a switch on the wall, put a light bulb in the middle of the room up in the, on, on the ceiling, uh, you know, this is before they had electric codes, you know, they just did anything and, you, you know, so, and they, they were making a killing. They were doing great because, like, everybody wanted electricity. So, um, sometime in the early 1920s, uh, a fellow named Jack McIntosh, who owns Oak Hills, which is like a golf course just north of us, like maybe about a mile, he invited my grandfather and his two brothers to come out and play golf. And he goes, golf, what's that? And he says, well, come on out. We'll have a good time. We're, you know, like you'll be in an outing and you'll have a lot of fun. And so they became, they got done. They go, oh, this is awesome. We want to do this. Let's, you know, we want to build a golf course. Will you, you know, Jack, will you help us do this? And he said, yeah, I'll help you design the golf course. So they found some farmland out in Lamont, and uh, they built two courses. Uh, Jack laid out the uh, the routing, and my grandfather, Bert, became the superintendent in charge of the grounds. Uh, Jack was in charge of the clubhouse. And Marty wasn't quite sure that he was, uh, this was the right thing for him. So he was kind of stuck with the electric company for a while. And, uh, after a few years, he saw it was actually a viable business, so he decided to join. And he became in charge of, the only thing left for him to do was be in charge of the concession stands. You know, like the stands out on the golf course where, you uh, uh, you know, you get your beer and your pop and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Coghill happened to, you know, they, they couldn't agree on a name. Uh, they tried all different kinds of names and he said, well, you know what? 
why don't we just hyphenate our name? And it sounds like a golfing term anyway. And we'll just call it Cog Hill. And they agreed on that, and so the name stuck. A, um, so they, Cog Hill uh, actually survived the Depression pretty favorably because the uh, Archer Avenue ended right at their front doorstep. And so even though during the Depression things were not that great, people would jump on a trolley that would take you all the way from downtown Chicago, and they would grab a kid off the street and say, come on, kid, let's go. We're going to go play golf. You can be my caddy. And they jump on the trolley and they, you know, carry their clubs on the trolley and they dump you off right at, right in front of the Cog Hill. It was like perfect. And then they'd pay their, I think at that, that, my dad tells me it was like you could play for two golfers for 25 cents. Mm-hmm. So it's like 12 and a half cents a round or something. You know, like, it's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So then they'd play their golf, and they'd jump back on a trolley and go back home. You know, uh, a good day's entertainment for, like, maybe, like, 20 cents if you had the caddy fee involved, you know? So so that, uh, you know, it worked, well, it worked out well. Um, so there were two courses there. And in 1950, I believe, maybe... No, 53, I think it was, they, they built, uh, number two, which is now number two course. Uh, my grandfather, Joe, or Frank Jemsek credited, uh, my grandfather for designing that course. Um, so now they had three courses. Um, he put, he put the, he, he did the basic design bef- before he passed away. He passed, so my grandfather, Bert, and and Jack both passed away like in 1951, uh, like within six months of each other. And so the guy who wasn't really interested in, you know, like least interested and least involved, Marty was in charge of, you know, uh, now a big a big part of the golf course, all of it. And um, the caddy master, uh, well, he, Joe Jemsek hung around with my dad a lot. They grew up together in Lamont. Joe became a, uh, he was first a caddy, and then he became the caddy master, then he became the pro. And Joe married a, uh, a, a Russian girl who was, very, who was heavily involved with the Catholic Church. Her whole family was, and um, so Joe kept on pestering Marty about, you know, you can't run the place, you know, let's, you know, and he kept on throwing out prices. He wanted to buy the golf course for himself from Marty, and then one day Marty acquiesced and said, yeah, I agree on that price, and then about a week later, Joe came back with the money. So... Subsequently, the deal was whoever whoever's there, whoever lasts the longest. I'm going to be involved in. A, I I can't do anything for you right now, Jesse. I'm in an interview. So, um, subsequently, 
the deal was whoever was a surviving brother, they would get pretty much the golf course. Um, so my grandfather said, well, that's not a great deal for us. So like in 1937, he was looking for a, a golf course, and he found a course in Orland Park called Silver Lake that was um, that was under receivership. And so he bought it from the bank and um, operated for about a year and a half, and then about a year and a half later, there was another course called Euclid Hills, which was a Masonic order course um, that was privately owned. That was a private golf course, and they were going to put houses around the fairways, you know, just like you see on all the private clubs, like particularly in Florida and the Southwest, that would be lined with houses, and they're going to sell lots. However, this is a that course was developed um in 1927. Silver Lake itself was about 1928. So all these a lot of these courses that are around throughout Chicago and were built in the 20s. It was just like they're building golf courses left and right. So um <clears throat> so they um a year and a half later he bought Euclid Hills. So now we had two courses side by side. There were two courses built side by side. They operated out of two clubhouses for a year, and then my dad goes, uh, this is crazy. Let's let's, um, consolidate it. And they changed the routing of a few holes, you know, and so they made the clubhouse in our current location so that we could uh, operate all 36 from one location. And so when my grandfather passed away, obviously the the Silver Lake, my dad was like busy with Silver Lake. Uh, he had no opportunity to purchase. He didn't have any money, number one, and he was, you know, just trying to get by. And so he was operating these two courses here, the, which are now called the North Course is basically Euclid Hills, and the South Course is pretty much Silver Lake. And um, so that. Uh, and then in 1963, we had some extra property in our northwest corner, and we developed a short nine-hole course, which is called Rowan Hills, and it won uh, numerous awards for the uh, for um, in, in Illinois for the executive course of the year. So it was, I don't know, I think it was like about 20 years straight for, from Chicagoland Golf that we we're, it's like seven par threes, two par fours, up and down hills, very scenic, bit large undulating greens. Uh, almost all our course, all our greens and tees have all been redone, like in the, in, in the middle 60s to early 80s. So they all been enlarged except for about three of them. Uh, tree line fair, all the trees that, almost all the trees that are, you see on a golf course are all planted by us. So, um, I was, that's about, uh, that's about the history of it. Um, so then my dad passed it on to his three sons in 1983, I believe. And, um, uh, so there was John, Dick, and Bert. The, John, John is the oldest, Dick is the middle, and I'm the youngest. 
Um, and then in 1990, my brother Dick, he fell while we were doing some construction here. He fell off a ladder and hit his head. Was in a coma for 14 years until he passed away. So then, um, what else is there? So John passed his shares off, his portion off to his uh, his daughter Amy. So I'm partners with Amy now. And uh, also partners with uh, my brother's, my brother Dick, Dick's wife. There you have it. I mean, that's as concise as I can make it. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got lots you know, of follow-up questions for that. It's very interesting. I how bet you do. People, how many people, when they come to Silver Lake and they hear your name, realize that Coghill came from your family? Um, quite a few. Mm-hmm. You know, and then if I I go around and, you know, I say my name, they kind of look at me kind of funny, like, you don't have anything to do with the golf course, do you? And I go, well, then I, you know, I try to give them a very short story on that. And I said, yeah, we were involved in it, and uh, it was sold out of the family in 1951. Um, but we own, you know, we're in Silver Lake. So people, you know, we get, and I'm really good friends with uh, Frank Jemsek over who runs, uh, uh, who's, he's pretty much retired now, but he's, you know, still involved over at Coghill. We're really good friends. We always share ideas and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we're friendly competitors. How's that? <laughs> so you have, uh, like you said, you have two full courses. You have the nine-hole course. How much work do you have to put into, like you said, you, you did uh, modernization with the greens, um, but you, the, the quality of the courses and the, the maintenance is always very high. How much work do you have to do to kind of keep things up to the standards and the expectations that golfers have uh, today? Uh, well, that's that's a good question because yeah, we do, I, I mean, like, because the golfers, they look at TV and they look at the Masters and they look at the TBC courses and they see the courses, you know, the greens are double cut and the fairways are double cut and, you know, like the approach areas, are, you know, like it's like, so that's what they, that's what people perceive what a good golf course should be. So, and uh, it's, it's you know, a lot of maintenance has to go in it so, because like, whether you have good weather or bad weather, you still have to take care of the grass is still going to grow no matter what. And, you know, you might have four or five days it might rain all the time and you don't have any golfers, but you still have the ground screws out there. They're cutting. they got to take care of the traps. they got to cut the greens. they got to cut the tees, you know, uh, fix wet spots. You know, push up sand in the sand traps. There's all kinds of stuff to do, even if there might be nobody there. You know, so it's 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 heavily involved. And then, of course, if you have a, a hot, humid summer where temperatures get below 75 at night, you have all kinds of diseases going on, particularly at night. You know, you get high humidity, and the plant doesn't get any rest, and they get weak, and then diseases happen. So then you have to spray. So you got to be. And a lot of times, if you don't, if you don't catch it at the right time, you're screwed. You know, you're you're going to have some serious issues. 
So yeah, there's there's quite a bit of maintenance, and then you know just stuff around the clubhouse too. You know, you're always vacuuming, cleaning, and you know we have parties all the time, and we we we're, we have a lot of outings here. Uh, we usually have one course available for golfers, though, for on a daily fee basis. You know that uh, that could come out and play. Occasionally we have double shotguns, but not not that often. So yeah, there's it's. Uh, our superintendent is Dave Coli, and he's doing a terrific job. He's been here for 25 years, and uh, he does awesome, awesome work. Of course, is great shape. Greens are awesome. We get a lot of compliments on our greens. So, so I have a, uh, a question about Rolling Hills. I've always been fascinated with Rolling Hills in terms of the. The layout, it, it's almost reminiscent of, I always say, like the north woods of Wisconsin with the different foliage, the different trees, huge undulation changes. You said it was built in, in 1963. Is that when it was created? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. And yep, uh, so what, uh, what was the kind of the reason for it? Or, you know, what's the reason why you keep, keep it going? I mean, you already have two 18-hole championship courses. Is it uh, sort of used to to stimulate you know more golfers to allow other people to play or what's kind of the what do you push? Well, it's a great course for uh, juniors to play. You know, like uh, we have a junior league that plays every Friday during the summer. Uh, we have almost three hundred over three hundred kids in the program, and they start teeing off at five o'clock in the morning and go till about one thirty two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, it's a good, you know, we have, uh, like when, when during the summer, we, we put eight inch cups on the greens. We, so we have two pins. You have a regular pin, which is, you know, regulation. And we have an eight inch cup and people, the, well, the juniors, we make the juniors play in the eight inch cup, you know? So, cause that's, that's the least, juniors are least interested in putting. They want to hit the ball, <laughs> you know. They want they want to take full swings. So uh, it's a good place to learn. It's a good place for ladies. We have quite a few ladies leagues out there. Uh, also, seniors like to play it. You know, they may not have time for uh, eighteen holes. Um, it's, you know, it's like you know, takes you about two hours or hour forty five minutes to play the nine holes. Um, but we also do offer, um, you know, nine-hole rates on our big course too, if you if you wish. So, but that's uh, that was amazing. You know, when we first opened that, within about two years, um, that Rolling Hills was very busy. I mean, we had people come and drive an hour down here, and at that time we didn't take reservations, uh, so people would wait, and sometimes they had to wait up an hour to get off the tee, and then they play, and then they go back home. So it was. <laughs> It was kind of crazy at that time. But now there's a lot of other nine-hole courses around the area. Like That was the first nine-hole course around the area other than Willow Run. So it was like a standalone type thing that was kind of unique. Now there's, you know, there's a lot of nine-hole courses around here now. So it's not quite as quite as busy as it used to be but it's still it's still uh, a good breeding ground for new younger players or, or older players when i talk to people about silver lake yeah, i typically get responses that uh 
you know, the, the two courses, the three courses. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of events, a lot, I talk to a lot of people playing outings quite often at Silver mm-hmm. Lakes. And then I also hear a lot of people rave about the food at Silver Lakes, and uh, that's mm-hmm. gone on for years. Um, how do you keep the standard of not only the golf course, but how the facility ma- runs? How do you manage that and keep the standard so high for, for so long? Uh, well, we're here all the time. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, we're, we're, we're just, it's not like we're absentee owners or anything like that. You know, we're here almost all the time because it's, a, it's a busy place. You know, like this year, uh, the season started, uh, February 14th. It was like 60, 70 degrees and it continued for, uh, like five or seven days like that. So we were going full blast like in February, which is like the earliest we, and then the season basically ended at like about, I played Saturday. So that's basically the last day of golf. So that we had a good 10 months of, uh, a good 10 months of golf this past year. Um, yeah, we just, uh, yeah, we, we, we keep an eye on what's going on and making sure that the, the meal goes out nice and hot and, you know, it's got good presentation and, um, yeah. Uh, we got a great kitchen, great kitchen staff. Uh, my niece, uh, Amy, who's my partner, she's, she's in charge of the, the, the banquet operation. And so she's here all the time, too. I have uh, two final questions for you. Number one is, what's, if you could choose to, say, forecast the next 10 years, what would you want the uh, Silver Lake legacy, how would you want it to evolve? Would you want it to just maintain what it is? Do you have any ideas as far as what you'd like to see in the next 10 years as far as Silver Lake and, and getting more golfers out there and playing more golf? Um, well, we're working on, you know, golfers, so there's a couple things going on. You have um, a lot of golfers who are, you know, 50 or older, which we consider seniors. Um, they're pretty much traditionalists. We are uh, experienced you know, and like I think a, the National Golf Foundation, had, just about ten years ago, they said your your golfing population is increasing to becoming seniors at at a rate of one percent per year. So you think about that for you know what twenty years, that's a fairly good percentage. When you one percent a year, that your golfers are more and more your golfers are becoming older. So. The challenge is to get the millennials out, right? So, and millennials, do they have the time for 18? Mm, maybe not. You know, that's why we offer rates that uh, if you want to play nine holes on our big course, we're okay with that. You know, we we don't have a problem with that. Um, but, you know, I'd rather see one golfer. I'd rather see four golfers here than no golfers. And, uh, you know, we... Uh, um, so the challenge is we put in a driving range about five years ago, which I, we uh, I, we've been thinking we've been thinking about here for a long time, and finally we pulled the trigger on it about five years ago, and it's great. 
Uh, we got a lot more younger kids here. Um, we do some we do some special events. We do uh, like a, a night golf events on Rowan Hills on our short nine hole course. Uh, people love it. Um, uh, businesses will bring their people with them and, and make it a fun night for them. Um, we're doing events. We have movie nights on. Uh, we have a movie night every year. Um, one year we had two movie nights where we actually have an outdoor movie and we set up the carts. Um, we have we have popcorn. We have uh, plush horse ice cream. We have baby with candy bars. So we you know set up a grill. Um, we do uh, putting contests. Um, so um, so that's a challenge. So the challenge is to figure out how to get millennials involved in golf because millennials are looking for experience. And it, it doesn't have to be 18 holes, maybe. It could, could be 9 holes. It could be maybe 12 holes or 6 holes. And then then sit around and have a few drinks. So that's a challenge. So we're, we've been working on that uh, and trying to make events that uh, it's not so much uh, – it is a golfing experience, but it's like an experience as opposed to just pure golf experience. This has been the Chicago Golf Report Podcast. Visit ChicagoGolfReport.com right now. For exclusive discount offers, Chicago Golf News, and in-depth event listings.